0: Oh, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. So good to be here. Um, he did twist my arm a little bit, I'm going to say, but it's good. It's good to be preaching the Word of God. Thank you, team, for an incredible worship this morning and for setting us up to receive all that God has for us. Amen. This morning, which is incredibly exciting. It is a new year, and um, this is often a reflective time for a lot of us. We think about what we wanna achieve, what we wanna do in the coming year. It's a hopeful time, there's a newness about it, there's lots of possibilities ahead, and for some of us, we feel quite invigorated by a new year. Our hearts and our minds can be filled with endless activity of all the goals and everything that we're gonna achieve. For others of us, this time of year may already feel a little bit exhausting. We may be recovering from the washout of the end of last year, we can feel almost a little overwhelmed going into a new year. There are mountains in front of us, and I know Matt talked about that this morning. There are many of us here today where there are mountains in front of us in this new year. There's challenge ahead of us. It's a bit scary, almost. It's the unknown, walking into the unknown. And uh, kind of it all almost feels too much at the beginning of the year. For others of us, we're really unsure of what we think about the new year, bit indifferent, just want it to count. Hashtag be better this year, okay? Now, whichever one of these categories we may fall into right now, I want us to breathe deep this morning. I love that Matt said it. I love that the worship team set us up for it. I want you to breathe deep this morning. I want you to take a deep breath in God. I want you to lift up your eyes this morning. I want you to lay aside all the aspirations, all the goals, all the plans, even those mountains. And I want you to consider a question this morning that's going to be key to how you experience every aspect of your life this year. The question I want to ask you this morning is, how can we walk more closely with God in 2024? How can we walk more closely, not just walking, but more closely with God this year? And whether you feel excited about 2024, whether you almost feel a sense of dread about the months ahead, or you just feel indifferent, our walk with God, our proximity to Him, our nearness, our closeness, and our relationship with Him is central to everything, to everything in the coming year. You know, the world constantly offers us a host of things that are separate to him to gain our attention, promising that they'll improve our lives. Exercise programs. Anyone decided on a new one this year? Thank you, Matt. You saw it here. A new eating plan. Anyone trying something new? Vegan, Mediterranean, something like that this year. Air fryers. I believe they could change your life. Is that right? Anyone have one? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I don't have one, but I've heard. You know, in this world, there are podcasts that can help your minds, they can help your emotions or improve your gardening skills. There are Netflix series that are designed to distract us from life in general. We've got book clubs, car clubs, wine clubs, you name it. There are a host of things out there to take up our time and attention and will temporarily maybe keep us happy and at best will make us more healthy. But none of these things that we can fill our lives with, that take up our think space and our time, these temporal things, none of these will come close to what Jesus can do in us and through us if we choose him above all else. This morning I want to encourage you in the same way Jesus encouraged Martha in Luke 10 to choose the one thing this year that cannot be taken away from you. A wise man once told me that during a conversation with God, the Lord Lord told him that true success in life was measured by our dependency on him. Nothing else, none of our achievements, nothing that we do, but true success is about our level of dependency on him hashtag Kerry Walsh, that wise man. And I believe that is how God wants us to walk with him this year, totally dependent, shoulder to shoulder close. I'm talking close, close, like shoulder to shoulder close, in step with him every day. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are a good God and that you love us. And you desire for us to walk so close to you this year. I pray this morning, Father God, as we come around your word and Holy Spirit, as you anoint it today, I pray, Father God, that you would put a seed, a fresh seed in each of us to desire the things of you, Father God, and to set our face toward you for this year, that we would walk with you, not separate, no distance, Father God, but that we would be in step with you every day of this year. We pray this and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. amen. So how do we cultivate a closer walk with God? Well, we're going to start at the very beginning. In Genesis, we clearly see the relationship that God planned for us to have with him, and that's walking together in the garden. There's a beautiful picture in Genesis of man and woman walking with God, talking learning, listening, enjoying one another's company, I believe there would have been a lot of laughing, I believe there would have been great joy, and just so much openness, um, so much transparency, and it would just have been so beautiful, Um, not separate, no silence, no distance, and that was the plan that God always had for us, that's how he longs for us to walk with him in 2024. 2024. It's actually the picture that our heart longs for, that ache that lies in each of us. When the world fails time and time again to deliver, it's that ache inside of us where we want to actually be with God. Here we're free. There's no angst. There's no pain. Everything was as it should be. It's a place where we can breathe. There's no fear, no doubt. It was simple. It was pure. And we were so free with him being with God, present in the moment. And church, I want you to know this morning, this was always his plan for us. This is his plan for us to walk this way. And even when sin entered the world through man's disobedience and the garden was corrupted, God's first response, everyone say first. God's first response was to address the sin and prophesy the person of Jesus who would restore what had been lost. Genesis 3 is often referred to as the proto evangelium, which is a fancy word, which literally means first gospel. It's the first mention of Jesus. And in Genesis 23, we are uh, sorry, three, we have two messianic prophecies. In verse 15 and 14, God addresses the serpent Adam and Eve to judge their sin and the consequences of their action. Importantly, God addresses the serpent first, the animal that Satan used to deceive Adam and Eve. But not only is the enemy judged, justice is served, and it's a killer blow. And I love this. Let's read this together. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. This is from the Amplified Bible this morning. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you Are cursed more than all the cattle and more than any animal of the feed field on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. This is judgment. And I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman, and between your seed, your offspring, and her seed, note the capital S. He note the capital H shall fatally. Bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. Two things quickly this morning here. Here, the woman's seed is not mankind in general. This isn't just all the generations that came from Eve. This is, in fact, an individual representing all of mankind. He, Jesus, shall fatally bruise your head. The he is the individual who will wound the enemy once and for all. In other versions, we may read that he will crush the head of the enemy. Either way, it's all over. It's dead. It's done. This is the first picture of Jesus' triumph over sin and Satan at the cross. The second thing it says here, and you shall only bruise his heel. The bruising of his heel is a picture of the wounding. And the death of Jesus on the cross. Satan believed at this moment he had had some kind of victory over Jesus. But instead, Jesus showed complete dominance when he rose from the dead, breaking the power of death, victorious over the enemy once and for all. Jesus would deliver the fatal blow to the enemy that would restore relationship with God and man. God's plan right here would ensure that in the absence of Eden, that's the world we live in now, this is no Eden. In the absence of Eden, we would still though experience the presence of God because of Jesus, amen. Walking more closely with God in 2024 begins with number one, being assured that God desires to be close to us. We need to be assured of this. This truth needs to anchor us this year. Anchor us in those mountain seasons when the storm comes. We need to be anchored in this truth. Genesis 3 that we just read proves it. The cross at Calvary proves this. The empty tomb proclaims it. And the word of God confirms it over and over and over again. Yet some of us struggle to believe this, and at times we resist the invitation to draw near. Why? Well, mostly because we are so aware of our own failings, our shortcomings, that at times we doubt that God would really want to walk with us. If only he saw my behaviour. If only he heard the words that I speak sometime to my husband, my wife, my kids. If he could only see the attitudes. I house sometimes in my heart against others, my thoughts, the way we fight on the way to church, in the car. (laughs) FYI, he does. Just saying, he sees it all. (laughs) There's nothing we can hide from him. But you know what? It's true. We're all flawed. All of us. We're all flawed and a little bit hopeless at times. You know, the things we don't want to do, we do them, and so it goes. But the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that it has nothing to do with us and what we've done, what we're doing or what we're going to do in the future does have nothing to do with how good or how bad we are, but it's got everything to do with God's love for us, even at our worst, even when we had rejected him, he offered us Jesus. Jesus. The spotless lamb who knew no sin became sin, who died a horrendous death. He took all of our sin, all of the mess upon himself so that we could be cleansed, we could be washed, we could be restored and be free to walk with him again. Church, the evidence is all here. God desires to walk with us personally, And that's not just a generalized, oh, yes, I walk with God in my life. No, he wants to walk with Tom personally this year. He knows exactly what Tom needs this year. He's going to provide exactly what Tom needs this year because he knows him and he loves him. And it's the same for each of us. We don't need to fear this. God longs for this. God longs to be with us to speak to us, to encourage us, restore us. That's the heart of God. This truth needs to be our anchor going into a new year. You know, he waits for you every day. He waits for you to come to him in dialogue with him. He delights in you. He delights when you feel joy. He delights in your happiness. He wants to speak to each of us. He wants to listen to us when we pour out our hearts. David in the Psalms, it's a picture of a loving father who wants us to pour out our hearts before him, even when it's tough and he wants to guide us. Number one this morning, we need to be assured, know it, know it, know it, that God wants a closer relationship with each of us this year. We can expect that when we seek him, we will find him. But number two as well, be aware that the enemy doesn't want you to believe that. And equal, equally, we need to have an awareness of this. We need to be aware of our enemy, but not afraid. Big difference. We need to be aware, know that he prowls around, know that at times he is very active, but we need not be afraid. We have nothing to fear. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Be vigilant this year. Be watchful. Know your enemy. Know the things that come to shake your faith. Know those areas of weakness in your life where Satan wants to rattle your chain and cause mistrust in your heart. I want to give just a quick short theology lesson here. I'm just going to read something that I found this week because I thought it was really good. And sometimes we have questions and we've got youth and young people in here today. And sometimes we do have questions about these sorts of things with Satan and the like. So just bear with me and I'm going to read you a little something here. And there's some good scripture references in here if you want to write them down and have a little look for yourself later. Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, Lucifer. He goes by many names. But the most powerful force of evil in the universe has already been defeated. The timer, I love this, but the timer on the end of his evil activities was set when the Son of God walked out of the tomb. Matthew 28. Jesus defeated sin and death and Satan was put on notice. Therefore, his time is short. Revelation 12. Although still present, Satan is already defeated. Jesus won the victory over him through the cross and the resurrection, Colossians 2. It is now possible to defeat Satan every day in our own lives. The Holy Spirit empowers us to say no to Satan's agenda and walk in the Spirit, living a life pleasing to God, Ephesians 5 and Galatians 5. The ultimate defeat of Satan is yet to come, when he will be condemned to the lake of fire forever, unable to propagate his evil ever again. Though Satan still reigns as God of this world, small g, God, small g, in 2 Corinthians 4.4, Christians can live in light of this truth and know that he is a defeated foe. In short, all of that, in Revelations 20, verse 10, it says this, but listen, always should do that. If it says, but listen, take note. Satan is a defeated foe. By his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ conquered death and hell and Satan. And someday that victory will be complete and the devil who deceived them will be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. He is defeated, but present. Picture the enemy. I see him like this, like muzzled, hands tied, powerless, nothing to do. No power except for that that we give him when we believe the lies that he sells us. Powerless apart from this. This year we must be able to recognize our enemy. It may not be as obvious as a talking serpent in the garden, But each of us must be able to discern his lying voice and know that his sole intent, the one thing that he wants to do is to create distance and mistrust between us and God. The same hand he played in Eden. It's the same hand. He's that unoriginal. So my question today is what weapon... Does the enemy use against you to steal from your life, to steal from your daily walk with him? Is it fear? Is fear something that gets into your heart? Is it fear about the future? Fear about your health? Is it a fear that God's not gonna come through for you? Is it pride? Not being teachable. Unable to take advice, counsel from others. Is it anger? Are you reactionary? The words that come out from you are laced with anger at times. Is it comparison? Constantly comparing yourselves with others, feeling inferior, not good enough. Why would God want to walk with me? Look at them. Is it jealousy, unforgiveness, being judgmental, self-hatred? There's a host of things that the enemy will use in our lives to distract us and take us away from God. Whatever it is, just know the goal remains the same. It's to make us more aware of ourselves than we are of God. So self-aware, aware only of ourselves and to make us doubt his character and his goodness. His strategy, so lame. He distracts us, filling our lives with busyness, chaos, pressure and worry. He uses distraction to get our eyes off God and onto ourselves or even the circumstances around us. He dulls us. He wears us down. Ever heard the phrase, it's all too hard? The enemy seeks to dull us, lose interest in the things of God, as issues in life just overwhelms us. We become apathetic to the call of God on our lives. Oh, well, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Our love for others wanes. Care factor becomes zero and lukewarm is the order of the day. Care factor. Check it, it's very telling. When you lose your care factor... Concern for other people beyond what's going on in your own life, it's the enemy. It's that dulling, that dulling down. And finally, he destroys our faith in God. Left unattended, if you allow the enemy to work and untreated long enough, we actually end up believing the lies he sold us. It becomes part of our confession. Check what comes out of your mouth. What are you saying? What are you confessing? It becomes part of our theology. Our theology gets skewed because we make it work to how we're feeling and not the truth of God's word. It becomes our wound that just festers and festers. And ultimately, we find ourselves questioning God. We take the bait and tick one to the enemy. Going into a New Year church, we need to have a healthy awareness, not fear, Remember, he's powerless of the enemy and the way he attacks our lives. And it's different for all of us. We all have different points of weakness that the enemy knows and the enemy uses against us. We need to deal with him. Jail. No trial. Jail. Deal with him. Follow the example of Jesus in the wilderness. Use the word of God to defeat him confess to others if you're struggling church this year we're a family we're here to help one another we're here to support one another reach out tell someone this is what I'm struggling with we're going to pray with you we're going to believe with you we're going to stand with you that's the family of God that's the church in action if you are struggling this year tell someone we're going to stand with you and see your victory whatever you do don't come into agreement with his lies. Keep your eyes on God and draw near. And finally today, walking closer with God this year is going to require us to seek him and follow his ways. I want to finish off today by reading Psalm 23. And I know it's probably so familiar to all of us. Some of us could say it with our eyes closed in our sleep. But as I read it today, I want you to consider The way God walks with us, where He leads us, and how He provides for us. Consider the way God walks with us. Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever Who's doing the heavy lifting in that scripture? It's not us. It's not us trying to work it all out. It's not us trying to make it all happen, provide for ourselves, get it right. He does the heavy lifting. Walking with God puts us in a position for Him to do the heavy lifting in our lives. He's going to do it. There's no strive. There's no struggle. He is going to do these things. There is no hurry. Read the scripture again in your own time. I get no sense of hurry whatsoever in this scripture. Walking with God is unhurried. It's slow. It's meaningful. It's a walking. It's a following. And at times it's just... Stillness. There is provision for everything. I mean, everything we have need of. Provision for the struggle. There's provision for the struggle here. Walking with God, He provides in the struggle. There is rest for our weariness and a closeness and security allows us to breathe deeply and know He is with us and all will be well. Church, this is presence. This is walking with God and these are His ways. We need to learn His ways. We need to learn how to be still. We need to learn how to follow we know how need to learn how to walk in step with him, listening to him, obeying him, being still with him. There is no checklist for this year of the things you need to do to experience the presence of God. You just need to walk with him. It's not a Bible plan. It's not the amount of prayer, the amount of word, the things I do, which all of a sudden you start to feel incredibly anxious about because you just can't maintain it because it's not in your strength and it's overwhelming and now you've failed. That is not walking with God. Two images I want to leave you with this morning from this psalm that I hope will encourage you in your walk with God this year. Green pastures still waters green pastures still waters green pastures the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want that end I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures picture those pastures, those pastures (laughs) with all the weed. Pastures are a place of feeding. Pastures are a place of nourishment, encouragement, places that sustain life, places of unhurried rest. Our daily bread is the word of God. It's given to us to strengthen us, heal us, grow us, mature us, and encourage us. We need to read it daily, morning and light. The scripture says, not because you need to tick off a Bible in a year checklist. In fact, I even want you to approach the word differently this year. Read it because you know it is life to you. Savour. Words. Take time to digest the truth. Allow it to do its work in you. Sit in one verse for three months if you need. Allow God to do what He wants to do. Allow Him to speak to you. Take time this year in the pasture. Rest with. God, He makes me lie down. He wants us to rest with Him out of the busyness, out of the chaos, and rest with God. Being a Kiwi, I've seen a lot of sheep in my life. <laughs> and driving Kiwi roads, country roads, sheep in paddocks, I either see them eating. Or lying down there's not a lot else they do and it's a great pitch for us because we are to feed on his faithfulness this year savor it digest it and rest with him listen to him what's he speaking into your life at the beginning of this year Has he given you a word and season right now that will uphold you? Lean on him. What is he speaking to you about in 2024? Take the time. Don't be in a hurry. Take the time to be with him and hear from him. I want you to retreat to the pasture when you feel washed out and weary. Lie down in green pastures and allow him to renew you. None of this trying to mop ourselves up and sort ourselves out. Allow God to renew and revive you this year. This is walking with God. And finally, still waters. Can you see them? Are you there beside a beautiful brook, a river? Saw some beautiful rivers in New Zealand this year, didn't we? Just gorgeous The invitation here is to come and drink. Come and receive from God. Stop doing. There's a message for someone today. Stop doing and receive. Learn how to receive from Him. There is no to do list in the kingdom, just be with Him. It's a place of refreshing where you can encounter the Spirit of God through your worship your adoration. It's a place where you find Him, where you see Him. It's a place where you can pour out your gratitude toward Him. It's a place of stillness. It's a place of clarity where we see God. Still waters this year, church. Still waters. Psalm 63 verses 2 to 8 says this, I have seen you in the sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you! I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast, and I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake, thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. That's the protection, the safe place, the refuge. I cling to you and your strong right hand holds me securely. Still waters, there's no rush. A place to be filled, a well of living water. John 4.14 But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Church, this year, drink deeply. Drink deeply of him. Don't look to anything else to quench your thirst because you'll always come up wanting. The only thing that will truly satisfy you is him. Walking with God this year, green pastures, still waters, places of presence. It's where we belong with him. Back to the garden. In the absence of Eden, we still have the presence of God. All because of what Jesus did for us. So the question now, church, is how can you walk closely with God in 2024? Because this is personal. Again, this is not a checklist, the things you have to do. But I would encourage you to ask him in the coming weeks. I would encourage you to listen. Where is your rest in 2024? Where are you feeding from? What are you feeding on? And where will you find your refreshing this year? Because it's with Him. It's not about doing. It's just about being with Him. And that's a little bit hard for most of us because we are doers. But God's calling us. God's calling us to Himself. Green pastures, and still waters. Let this be a year, church, where we draw near, lean in, and walk with. Amen.